Father, we uh, we just think about uh, the world that we live in right now and some of the things that are going on in it. Uh, it's no real different than, than uh, since the beginning of time. There's wars and rumors of wars. Uh, but when that war comes to your doorsteps and you're losing your home and your family and family members and friends that are dying all around you, that is not a good thing nor do you desire war. One day, I know that you are going to put an end to all war and all hostility and all enmity. And Lord, uh, even today as we look into the truth about the, uh, the justification of life, we can see how we can escape as individuals. As individuals, we can escape the corruption that we find in the world. And I'm not talking, you know, Lord, that I'm not talking about the sin, the sins that people do or the wars themselves or anything like that. It is a human logic that exists in the world that causes the enmity <coughs> and it causes the war. And Lord, you are the one who establishes in our hearts something that rises above all of that enmity and strife. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I, I pray that you'll be with me as I share. And I pray that you will uh, open up all our, all our hearts to see the truth that saves us from that corruption. We love you, Lord. We know you have the power and the capability of revealing truth and setting people free, even in this day uh, of trouble that we see in the world. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Oh, how's everybody doing? Great. Good. Good. Awesome. Good. Yeah. Yes. Now, we're going to talk about something today that we've talked about in the past. And, uh, but I want to get a little bit deeper into uh, what it means to be justified. Now, We've talked about the definition. We've read the, de the definition before, but I'm going to read it to you again because it is. I want to bring out an aspect of this justification that has the cap capability of like, you know, just like I've prayed, the truth will set you free. And it, it, it is a truth that can set you free from uh, the striving, the enmity, and the war, everything that exists in this world that is contrary to the life of God. And, and, and listen to this, this interesting definition, okay? What does justification mean as defined in the Greek? This is what it means. It is to render, show, or regard as just or innocent. It is to render, show, or regard as just or innocent, free, just, innocent, meet. Meet would be to be as you should be. Equitable in character or act with God, righteous as it equates to the righteousness of God. Now, I have a question to ask. What did that definition not include 
if you can possibly think of it. I know what I know what it doesn't include, <laughs> but you may not know. But what did it not include? It it says that it is to render, to show, or to regard as just or innocent, free, just, meet, equitable in character with with God's righteousness and His actions. What what is missing in that? There's nothing for us to do. Thank you. You got it. You know what there is not, which you do not find in that definition. <clears throat> Very important to come to grips with this. I, now, the folks in this church pretty well understand this. There's a lot of people out there who don't understand this. That a person who finds justification before God, there are no ifs, ands, or buts in regard to justification. If you have been justified, you find yourself innocent and just and righteous before God. That is not only how he sees <laughs> you, but that is who you actually are before yeah. God. Because if that were not the case, justification wouldn't be justification. Because that's the definition of justification. That is actually who you are. Now, we're going to look at some things here on my my board, my beautiful board. <laughs> Some people may not think it's beautiful, we do. but to me, it's it's nice, you know. Uh, as we look at it, I want to discuss something about how faith integrates with justification. And I want you to understand: we are not saved by our faith. Now, someone might say, "Wait a minute." Aren't we saved by the grace of God through faith? Well, yes, we are saved by the grace of God. <laughs> that is, by God himself. We are saved by the grace of God, by God himself. And he uses a medium that, is, that exists in every human being called faith. Every human being believes, is capable of believing. And he uses that medium, that, that thing that is innate within every human being, to present something to us that can be believed on, which results in salvation. What is being presented to us is the important thing. Our faith is just the means by which we attain that, which we enter into that thing which has been presented to us. That makes sense to you? Any thoughts or comments? By the way, if anybody has anything to say, be you're free to share. Faith is a gift. It's not of ourselves. That's right. Even, even faith. Listen, there's a number of ways faith is a gift. But one of the ways is just innately in the human being. We were created with faith. Now, we didn't make faith for ourselves. It's just innate within us. Listen, you get up in the morning and you uh, put your clothes on and you go to work. Why do you do that? Because you believe that at the end of the week, you're going to get a paycheck. Then you you believe that. It, you know every if you examine almost every aspect of our lives, we do something because we believe something else is going to be the result. It is innate within us to have faith. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Atheists have great faith. People who swear that God does not exist have great faith. They probably have more faith than most people. Yeah. Why would you say that? I'll tell you why. They believe 
so strong that God does not exist. They actually know he doesn't exist. You understand what I'm saying? Their faith that God does not exist is so strong that they, act, they, they know that he does not exist in their own minds. But guess what? God exists. They cannot <laughs> be wrong in this particular case. Okay? Amen. But faith lives even in the heart of an atheist. Very much so. Now, let's take a look at some things <clears throat> on the board. So, the title of this thing is what? The Justification of Now, Paul mentioned that term one time in chapter 5 of, uh, of the Book of Romans. But it comes after a long, which, by the way, we're going to look at these verses. And, but uh, it comes after this long narrative of what justification is. And then he, he sums it all up in the justification of life. Let's, let's look at that and see exactly what that is talking about. So, I would say that to really understand what it means to be justified, you have to look at the other side of the coin. What does it mean for a person to be under condemnation in their hearts and their minds? And what does it mean to uh, not having found justifi the justification of life? What does it mean? What is that state of existence for a human being that has not found the justification of life? What does it mean to be in that mindset or that belief system? It's a life called death. It, it is a life called death, absolutely. And in matter of fact, <laughs> we're going to get into that and talk about that exactly. But uh, in the carnal mind, the carnal thinking of men, we have a, an innate belief system within us that came to us at the fall, just as Adam and Eve believe that through their knowledge of good and evil, they could attain righteousness and life and godlikeness. So humanity has kind of bit into that same fruit, believing that that is true. So just apart from this, what does that produce in people? In other words, if you believe you know right from wrong and good from evil, you know that, right? I know right from wrong and from evil. What does that produce in you in relation to other people around me? Judgment. A life of striving. <laughs> It causes, it causes you to strive to prove that you are right, mm -hmm. okay? Or not wrong. That you are good right. through your knowledge of good and evil. It also is kind of a curious thing, but I don't know if you realize this, but your idea of what good and evil is always somehow stands approved, opposed to another person. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, what you think is right and wrong and good and evil, and what another person thinks is right and wrong and good and evil is different. So what is that going to produce? Enmity, war, discord, all of those things. So when you're operating out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that death, that striving, as Jay put it, 
is alive and at work in our members. That is living according to the flesh. Okay? So it's not good. It, it's a life called death. And it eventually brings all the death that we see, all the sin and death that we see in the world. Matter of fact, when you read in the book of Romans and Paul says, for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, when he says the law of sin and death, what, what does that mean? What does the law of sin and death mean? It means that you are of that mind. That, that where your life is emanating from comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the death that it produces. It's as simple as that. Now, interesting thing about the, uh, the knowledge of good and evil. It has you operating out of intellect. It is intellectual in nature because if the spirit isn't the source, if the spirit of God is not the source of your life, what comes out of you, what you think, your logic about life, the way you're thinking about life, if the spirit of God is not the source of those things, then it is pure intellect. So every single person who is not, who does not possess the spirit, they are operating out of their intellect. And you can be very religious in operating out of your intellect. You can teach about God. You can teach about many things related to God. But unless that spirit has enlivened you, it's intellectual in nature. Another thing is, it excludes faith. Although, most people in religion who are operating out of the flesh would say they believe that we're saved through faith through our faith right yeah what's the problem with that our faith it, is worthless well put it, it does you know what let me tell you why it's worth it because it interprets faith as a work it's something you do now we do believe on to something that was presented to us like I spoke about before but it is not our faith itself that saves us now this belief system results in the constant striving for life which honestly equates to what sin actually is it results in a constant striving for life, yet it results in death. Anybody have any thoughts about what I've gone through so far? So, uh, on the constant striving for life, I would just add to that. Constant striving for life in your own strength. In your own right. strength. Right. Absolutely. No question about it. Yeah. Yeah. And the death is not just the end of your life. We've experienced death all the way through in relationships and all kinds of stuff. Right? Oh, absolutely. It's just a, uh, that's all you have to do to look at, to, to, to see an example. Okay? Look at the Ukraine right now. There's someone north of 
Ukraine, who has something that he is believing in. And honestly, I think there's some self-deception that exists there, that in, like Vladimir Putin's, I don't want to get into politics or the war or anything, but in his mind, he, to some degree, may honestly believe that the Ukraine and some of the NATO nations are actually posing a threat to him, like anybody really wants Russia. <laughs> Nobody wants Russia, okay? Nobody wants Russia. But in his mind, he thinks that they're posing a threat to him. Although I think that there's some uh, other things going on in his mind where he just wants to expand his domain and his power. Okay. However, it is the death that we see there that is coming against and innocent people who just want to exist in the Ukraine. And that death that is in his mind at the present time is manifesting <clears throat> in a war that's killing thousands upon thousands of innocent people. Thousands upon thousands of innocent people. So there is good and evil that exists in the world. There's no question about it. And mankind believing in that belief system always finds itself pit against somebody else doesn't we find somebody we're going to disagree with you know listen they know more fake news than to believe the lie of satan that you know what's right about this situation and what's wrong about that situation i'm going to make a judgment because the minute you do you're going to find yourself opposed to someone else sure so guard yourself against that belief system. It's, it's not healthy. It, it only brings death. This belief system of death is revealed by the law to lead us to the faith of Christ. Not the faith of us, but the faith of Christ. So, okay. The law given by Moses. What would y'all say? the purpose of the law was based on the fact that didn't our erroneous belief system through which sin and death reigns in the earth. If this is the system of belief by which sin and death reigns in the earth, what do you think the law was meant to show us? Anybody have any thoughts about that? The thing is, um, we need a savior. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Listen, the whole the, the whole history of the Jewish nation, who believed that righteousness came to them through the law, uh, was a constant battle, constant struggle with their neighbors and within the, the 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 people themselves, and between them and God. In their minds, there was this enmity between them and God all the time the whole history of the jewish nation this is what it was that's what their life was all about and moses gave the law to reveal to us that through the knowledge of good and evil even god's understanding of what right and wrong good and evil is listen believing that we should not lie that we should not steal that we should not commit 
commit adultery, all of those things, that we should love the Lord thy God, thy God with all our hearts, souls, and minds. We look at those things, and we believe that that is where righteousness comes from, our ability to know that right and wrong, good and evil. And we find ourselves unable to attain to those basic elementary principles of life. They are the basic elementary principles of life that, that we are striving to attain life by. Not, not the law of God. Listen, there's nothing wrong with the law of God. But our believing that through them we could attain life, we find that we cannot perform those things, that we need the Savior, that we need someone to save us from that system. Mm -hmm. Just uh, tell us what to do and we will do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the tragedy is that most of the religious system culturally in the uh, United States, all over the world, is based on that law. Yes, absolutely. People believe in if they can try to keep it. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. You know, uh, the idea of, like, losing your salvation. Okay. It, it, I know some folks that, that believe that. And uh, I can tell you that it is based on one thing. They understood. You, you can ask them, do you believe that you're under the law? No. Do you believe you have eternal life? Yes, I have eternal life. Although, their eternal life can end. I don't know how that is. But, 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 this, but, but listen, this is why it's so important to understand, and that's what I want to talk about here, is the faith. And, and the, the faith and the life, okay? But... What they will present to you is that God will never turn away from you, but you can turn away from God. And they search the scriptures to uh, substantiate that viewpoint, which is just not true. And they find, extrapolate some things that sound like that. And they say, see this, see this, see this, and see this. The problem is, if you don't understand the essence of justification, the justification of life, you are going to struggle in your understanding of even those verses in their context. But listen, because it is not our faith that saves us or maintains us in the faith, it is not our faith. It is something else that strengthens a man's heart unto eternal salvation. There is something else that, that provides for us a faith that our faith, our faith, could never equal, and that will maintain us even unto eternal life. And that is our possessing his faith. It is not our faith. We believe unto his faith, and that faith is incorruptible. That faith is incorruptible, and it will go on forever. Now, so one of, one of the things, just piggybacking off yes. of what Jim said in terms of religion in most of the world believing in the law, is that I think that blinds people to understanding and even hearing or preaching about his faith. Right. Because I will tell you, I never heard about his faith in 30 plus years of walking with the Lord until I walked in these doors. Mm -hmm. And that's a big deal, that yes. to understand that it's his faith and not our faith. Listen to this, Jay. Yeah. There's three things in the end that are going to remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. 
but faith, hope, and love, the three things that remain forever. You hear what I'm saying? These three things that, that will remain forever don't come from us. <laughs> Nothing in a human being, in his physical makeup, or what he can do, or his faith, none of those things will ever last forever. It's all temporal. Your faith, all of the, the faith in the atheists and the faith in the, the Muslims, the faith in the Jewish people or the Presbyterians, the all Baptist, that faith is going is destined to perish. The Baptist, the Catholic, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You, yeah. you can make the list. The faith that is in human beings is destined to perish with you. It is but a means. The faith that exists within us is the means by which we can see the faith that is in God that can come to us and provide us with a faith that will never end. And whose faith is it? It is the faith that is in God. So, what happens is this. We come to a point in our lives under this system where we come to realize it's not producing the life that I believed with my whole heart that it was going to produce. Listen, you talk about you know, how this is this is a really good picture of most religion. The vast majority of religion, I was about to say. All of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the vast if you majority. Call it, if, if you refer to it as religion, yes. <laughs> there are other people in churches who believe in coming to grips with the truth, okay? Man's the, doctrine. Right, they're believing in the doctrines of man, which is nothing more than a list of rights and wrongs, good and evil. If you do these things, you'll be acceptable to God, and you'll be seen by God as righteous. But righteousness is a gift. Now, what happens though, is we come to the end of ourselves believing that this is going to produce life parts. And that is really what the law was meant to do, was to to bring us to a point where we realize through my knowledge of it, I don't think I'm going to make it. So what has to happen is we come to a point I hate the school of <laughs> We have to come to a point <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> It hurts. It hurts. I hope you took a picture before. <laughs> you need a new pen. I know. Hold That's on. good. We know what it is. Yeah, but I want to make it more plain. We're going to make it even more. Oh. There you go. Mess it up more. I got some defective pens here. Could you kind of call it coming to the end of ourselves? It is coming to the end of ourselves, but let me tell you Giving up the ghosts. Uh -huh. This is what uh, We have to die to this belief system in order to come alive to God. Now, I hope you all understand that. Everybody in TV land out there and everybody in here. You have to die to this means of life, this means of righteousness, this means of uh, coming to find godliness. You have to die to that life, die to the law for life that you might be raised 
from the dead and find yourself possessing something called the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. Put, pick up your cross, die with that cross, and then you'll find yourself with the mind of Christ. The problem is you can't crucify yourself. No. No, you're not crucifying yourself. You, you, you come to an end of yourself. You, you die to that belief system, and you believe in Christ for the righteousness and the justification that he came to bring. Now, with that in mind, I want to read something to you. Kind of interesting. Uh, this is from uh, Romans chapter 5. It says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God for our Lord Jesus Christ. If, no. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So in other words, basically what it amounts to is because we've been justified through faith, made, made shown, uh, you know, uh, we find ourselves in innocence, again, being completely restored to the innocence that was lost in the garden. We find ourselves righteous and holy before God. We have peace with God for our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, righteousness, righteousness can only be found in God. Why is that? Why can, why can righteousness only be found in God? Not in us. Not in us. Not in us in any way. Why is it that only in God can righteousness be found? He is the only immortal God who has a life that is incorruptible and sinless, is in eternal, in eternal. He has a life in himself that is eternal, incorruptible, sinless, perfect life. That is the righteousness of God. So, if you think that the law can provide that life, then Christ really died for nothing, did he? Because you could just do it this way. Right. But now that's not what happened. <clears throat> the reality is we have to die to that life to come alive to the fact that righteousness can only be found in God. Thus, it necessarily has to be given to us as a gift through the Spirit that is of God. That makes sense? Well, you see, that's why the um, Pharisees had superiority to them. <clears throat> down on everybody because they felt like we done it and you have so therefore we have the right to condescend and treat you as less than yeah absolutely whereas if you realize that it was nothing we did we'd never look at anybody the pharaoh you wouldn't even look at proof that's right different i mean that's hard to swallow well, I don't I mean, think it's part of what he's doing right, right now. No, 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 is no, not no, good, it's not good. You know, right. I'm not saying it's as, 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 as a human being. As a human being. Absolutely. Listen, 
Nebuchadnezzar was a tyrant uh, on the order of Putin, maybe worse than Putin. And, uh, and the captives that he stole castrated and had him serving as eunuchs in his court. That old king lived forever. It was respectful to that king. And though he threw them in a dead alliance, they remained uh, with, with, with a heart toward that guy that when they personally interacted with them, conveyed a wisdom and an understanding and a life and a love yeah. that actually won the heart of this tyrant and had him, he wrote this prayer at the, toward the end of his life, toward the end of his reign. When you read it, you say, man, this guy came to know God through these people who were with him, the way they were with him. Now, I hope this isn't misunderstood. There's nothing good about what he is doing to the people of Ukraine. But this person, every person has value in the eyes of God. Every person has value. And that's not justifying in any way what he's doing. It is despicable. I am against it. And I understand these people who are striving for their lives and for their families and for freedom and for independence that they would defend their lives because we wouldn't do any less. Of course. So, but listen, there's something about the mind of Christ that is spiritual in nature. And intellect is, again, it's just nothing more than a, a mechanism. We can understand things about God, understanding things about the grace of God. But that is uh, that is not uh, what the Spirit is. It's only a means for us to reason about these things. Well, if you look at most of the death that we see, it comes from a field of my high intellects. That's why, that's why atheism is so popular in college campuses because you're dealing with a bunch of people who have high intellect. Right. And and then they start glorifying the high intellect as their own gift and they start spewing out all this nonsense to death. But um, you know, most of the most of the um or even, you know, in religion, it seems like, you know, it takes a great intellect to screw up the Bible. Yeah. And 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 all the striving <laughs> And um, comes from the great intellectual giants. Listen, now that you mention that, I'm going to kind of digress a little bit here to uh, Paul, what he wrote in Corinthians. He says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, which this is one of these modern verses, when I came to you, brothers, <laughs> that includes everybody, okay? Uh, guess what? The only thing I'm going to do is change the Bible I'm on right now. Brothers, when I came to you, I did not come to you with superiority of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing while I was among you except Christ in him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, 
but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not stand on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. So the wisdom of men, the intellect of men, does not bring the wisdom of God. It comes from another source. Now, God uses this thing, it's this mechanism of faith that is innate within each of us for us to believe on God's disposition towards us as seen at the cross. Now, y'all know the scriptures, John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who should ever, who should ever believe in him would have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now, I want you to understand, God did not come to save some elect group of people. But those who are saved are the elect. Yeah. It just so happens to be that's what they call those who had believed unto the Lord. God so loved who? The whole, everyone in the world that he gave his only begotten son. You just got to think of the, the mind and the disposition, the disposition toward mankind that was on Jesus. The faith, the love, and the hope that was in Jesus that when he was being nailed to a cross, spit on, his beard plucked out, a crown of thorns jammed upon his head, and being jabbed with a spear, all of this, these things happened to him. And he looks down, not at, uh, at us, because, you know, we're the innocents over here, or the people that were not doing those things to him. He looked down at the very people that were doing these things to him. And he says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. <coughs> he knew man, and he knew what was in a man. And that what is in a man is a carnal mind that cannot discern the things of the Spirit of God. That's why even his disciples, when it came down to push a shove, all abandoned him and fled. Well, you see, a lot of people interpret that saying. Forgive them for their behavior. Really forgive them for their unbelief. That's right. That is it. The read, listen, what's so true about what you're saying is forgive them for they know not what they do. Not forgive them for their sins, but forgive them for they know not what they do. And uh, so that is what's developing here as we look at, at, at the cross and the disposition of God towards humanity that we see in the cross. Now, the ultimate result of all of this is that the imputation of the life of God that we derive from the resurrected life of Christ, he came that we might have that life and that that life might be abundant within us. It results in this imputation of the very life of God 
which is called the justification of life. Now, if you got your Bible, turn to, uh, to Romans chapter 5. I got to do it myself. <clears throat> and we're going to start in uh, well, we can we can start from the beginning. I, I already read the first couple of verses. It says, "Therefore, having been justified by faith." We have peace for our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access into this grace into which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so. Now, this is pretty good reminiscent for the times we live in, because there's a, a bit of tribulation that exists in the world at the moment. Not only so, but we boast in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces patience and patience produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us because God the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given us while we were yet weak in due time Christ died for the ungodly rarely for a righteous man would anyone dare to die? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. How much more then, having been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled by the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Now this is the death. <clears throat> Jesus was born into this world system and he took on that world system upon himself. He was made like us in every way. That's why he is both the son of man as well as the son of God. But what Jesus did, he was without sin. So what if, if this belief system is sin and death, and Jesus was without sin, exactly what did he resist that communicates to us that he was without sin? Anybody have an idea? And I'll give you a little hint. We see it at the cross. What did he resist unto death that communicates to us that he was without sin based on the fact that this was our logic, the logic that was in us. Does that an idea? Using his own flesh. Yeah. He depended on, G uh, on God the Father. Jesus knew that what was happening to him was not right. It was wrong. And he could have justified himself and shown himself to be the son of God by coming down mm -hmm. from the cross and destroying his enemies. He could have done that. But guess what? 
There was something in him, a faith in God, that God would not leave his body in the ground to see decay, but that he would raise him up on the third day. He had this faith within him that the Father loved him like his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. He had this hope in him. And hope isn't like, I hope something's going to happen. It's this confident expectation that this thing would happen to him and with him. So he did not succumb to the temptation of using his flesh to exalt himself to God. He allowed himself to die to that belief system and that, that urge to sin and justify himself before humanity. He allowed himself to die for the faith that was in him, knowing that God would raise him from the dead. Now, I want you to understand that death that we have to this belief system, when we come to the end of ourselves and we realize this thing is only producing death, we see in Jesus, because it only produced death in Jesus. Somehow or another, we so correlate to, to him and to what he was experiencing on that cross, that when we die to this belief system, it is as if we are dying with him on the cross. And that in that death, we find a resurrection to life, whereby just as he was raised and glorified by God through the Spirit, we too are raised from the dead and glorified with God by the Spirit. And that's who we find ourselves to be, raised from the dead, glorified, seated with him in heavenly realms right now. That's where we are. That's who we are. And I'm going to tell you, when the tribulation in the world comes, knowing that that's who you are, will stand you in very good stead. That's where you want to be. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, when you are justified by the life of God, seen to be holy, righteous, good, and uh, innocent before God, having a life that cannot be taken away from you or corrupted in any way. All of a sudden, all of the theologies that are out there, you know, losing your salvation, the, I don't know, whatever you want to, to talk about, become, they can begin to become clarified because you know that that life cannot be taken away from you or impinged on or walked away from How can you walk away from your own life? If somebody explained to me, how can you walk away from your own life? It cannot happen. We have a life that is eternal. And we have eternal life. And in that life is perfection. For by one sacrifice, he had perfected forever than the Yes. One of the things that I often like to say to others that don't understand the way or believe the way we do is that every time Jesus was tempted by the devil, the devil said, if you are the son of God, do this. In other words, do something to prove it. Yes. It was the same way when he was on the cross. If you are the son, God, get down off that cross. Do to prove. And in the same way, that's the way we're tempted. We're all tempted to do something to prove 
that we are the children of God. Yeah. No doubt. So it's due to prove. Absolutely. And that's innate to this, this belief system. Yes. Yeah. And li listen, that's part of the deal. Listen. We know that we're the children of God. The people in Paul's day had this concept, the idea that we were the offspring of God. He's, he spoke to the people at their Acropolis about that. And, but they don't understand or they have not, uh, they were, they were found themselves seeking God in the truth through their own wisdom, through the knowledge, their knowledge of good and evil, through their intellect, through their wisdom. But the wisdom of, of man is foolishness to God. And, but God's wisdom, which is foolishness to man, is actually the wisdom of God. And what is it? That he should impute us with that light. Anybody have any other thoughts? I want to hear from Mike Moore. Mike? Yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt Moore. Did I say Mike? You know. Yeah. You know. What's that? Bill. Bill Moore. No. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm not mad, by the way. But okay. Um, I have never read all denominations have. The first thing is this is what we believe. Yes. Right? I have never once read it is God's faith. It is, you don't do faith. Faith does you. Mm -hmm. yeah. Never read that yeah. once. Nope. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> I've read a whole bunch of statements of faith. You know, you go to a church, and that's one of the things, the first things they show, right. this is what we believe in. And I got to tell you, that's the biggest mistake people make. Because the minute you begin to uh, say, this is our theology, this is what we believe is, right. is this is what we believe is right, and we believe this is what is wrong. Okay? The, the minute you begin to uh, get away from the truth of the fact that we have been justified uh, by faith, and that, that justification is found in his life. And when you have the life, you have everything you need. Once you start getting away from that, you start saying, well, let's see. This is what I believe is right, and this is what I believe is wrong, and you put that thing up there. I'm going to tell you, the church right down the street has a different list. Mm -hmm. And when they have that different list, is this church congruent with that? Does it foster unity? Does it foster love? Or does it foster enmity and disagreement, hostility? That's true of all the different religions. And and it's funny because it's not really about right and wrong. That's a whole idea. It it's the belief system of either the tree of life or the tree of I can do it on my own. Ultimately, there's only one right and wrong. It it's it's evil. Divide and death. That's evil. It's good. To possess the light of God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the only that's the only two <clears throat> right, wrong, good, and evil. Mm -hmm. And you know what? If if some of the religions could get a grip on that, they they 
would begin to teach a truth that actually sets men free. Can you imagine this? Now, this belief system that you know right from wrong, good from evil, and it, that you know you present that to your congregation, you say, this is the light. You do this, and you don't do that, and, and we're going to work hard for God, and you know, we're going we're gonna to show, we're going to bring the kingdom about in our own strength. You do that. And it's going to have you opposed to all the different other religions. But can you imagine that if people began to see the truth and to die into that belief system and come alive to God, wouldn't it be better? And wouldn't it be better to be alive to God than to operate in this fashion. It's the only way to come alive to God. You have to die to your self-effort, your self-will, to exalt yourself in order to come alive to God. We die to the law to come alive to God. The church, especially young people, what they do is while they're impressionable, is fill them up with intellect. Until they're about 17, 18, they start developing their own mind. And I think instinctually they know they leave the church or religions because they know that they cannot measure up to the law and say, I'm just, I'm a, I'm not, it's not going to be fraud. Right. That's why, you know, and they leave. And that's why churches are growing older. Yes. When you go to the churches, oh it's the old people that can really cut it out good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if you know. Old people have, we can gut it out. But listen, the Lord isn't looking for anybody to gut anything out. He's looking for people to believe on him for life and, and understand that they've been given a, an indestructible, incorruptible life, a life in which there is no sin or death. I, I know that's hard to come to grips with, but to, in my mind, it's like ridiculously easy. Well, because yeah. it's like going to your grandmother or grandfather you know, no matter where you are in life, they receive you in, they give you a warm meal, they, and they enjoy the meal. I mean, you're naturally gravitating to the, as opposed to the grandma or grandfather who says, you know, what are you doing here? What do you, you know, your, your, your do's and don'ts. Yeah. I mean, who do you feel more comfortable going to? Instinctually. But, you know, by, by the time you're 18, you know, you're so full of, you know, you're wearing purity rings and you're so full of good good and evil and do good, do good, do right. good. You're like, I, I can't do that. Yeah, it, right. It, 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 listen, this life becomes frustrating. <clears throat> and uh, that's why it's so important <clears throat> for the truth to come out, to be out yeah. there. Right. Like with Greg's preaching where I thought today, it's so important for this truth to be out there because... All these folks that you talk about, these all these young people, man, the churches in particular, like the Southern Baptist Church, you go in these churches and plenty of, most of, a very aging congregation. The, the physical church that we see in the world, inclu including the Catholic Church and all of the other ones. Now, some of the mega churches, you go to, you know, Houston, you go to, you know, a couple of big mega churches there. They, they got people, young people there. But... A lot of churches are aging and, and really like coming down. And it's because when you're participating in something that is not really producing life for you, mm -hmm. you can get bored with it. 
I mean, even if they got great music and singing and all that kind of stuff, you 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 can. It'll give you something for the moment, but over a period of time, it doesn't stand the test of time because it's based on your flesh. Mm -hmm. It's it's based on your. And I'm not speaking evil about any particular church, religion, nothing like that. I'm talking about belief systems. This thing will wear out in time. You get bored with yep. it. Yep. Listen, the life that is in God, that eternal life, never gets bored. And if right. you talk to one of these kids that Doug's talking about and ask them to describe God, they'll describe not yes. exactly that, but that's what they'll okay. begin to describe. Right. And I'll say, well, you know what? I don't believe in that God either. That's right. Absolutely. I don't know why you would. It's a good way to introduce the gospel because what's happening is they are actually coming to an end of themselves here. They, they, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go through all this effort, you know. And and is it, it, and because that life may not be there. Now listen, they got people in a lot of churches that actually know the Lord. They've been born of God. The Spirit of God lives in them, but they are under this system of belief. Right. And go ahead. So that's what I wanted to bring up is that. One of the things that is a mystery to me still and kind of muddles yeah. all of this up is the fact that the carnal mind and the mind of Christ, it's not a binary function the way you have it written on the board. Right. Carnal mind's just on the left, mind of Christ on the right, right. and the two shall never come together. Yeah. When in fact, in reality, in my life, right. I got carnal mind and I have the mind of Christ. Oh, yeah. And it goes back and oh, forth, back oh, and forth, struggle. right? Well, we, we all struggle, struggle with that, but it's still, when you, when you read... In, in in scripture about what the carnal mind is all about that it, it blinds you to anything spiritual you often wonder how people even come to any conclusion about anything that's of of the spirit and then when you read the mind of christ it's like man that's where i want to be that's where as you and i hesitate to use the word mature but as you walk along with christ in your life more and more you will find yourself experiencing the mind of Christ. But to me, this is still a mystery in my walk that those things are not binary, but in fact are mashed together in some kind of mess in my, in my, in my walk with Christ. But I, I, bet, you that, I bet you that, that some, of the, some of the carnal things have come to the cross in your life. Yes, absolutely. So, so it, yeah. yeah, it's not... It's not a static thing, right? It's and you can see as you look back on your journey mm-hmm. where the carnal mind has where you've died to those things, right? And I love the fact that Denise gets up here and talks to us and she shares how the Lord is unwinding lies and untruths in yep. her lives, right? The carnal mind is dying in her. And I know we we all experience that. We all experience that. But that's it just is one of those things when you when you look at it on the board and you go, well, sure, it's carnal mind and it's mind of Christ. But in fact, it's okay. a, a weaving together of both. Well, well let, me, let me let me kind of uh, try to discern what's going on because I hear what you're saying. But listen to this. It's, bi- it's binary. It really is a binary thing. Because this is what happens. When you believe on Christ, on the salvation, you're dead to this. And who you now are is that. Mm-hmm. The problem is that because on, until we're out of this body and with the Lord, 
and we have the intellect and the thinking and the mind that we grew up and that was rooted in who we were. This thinking can do just what you're saying, Jay, bleed over into, it really can't bleed over into it because this is pure. It, right. Nothing but purity over here. I, I hate to say bleed over. <laughs> it This thinking that is in our minds, because we're still in these physical bodies, we have the same memories, the same experiences, the same teachings, all of these teachings that were in us and ingrained in us and was really a part of the way we reasoned and, and looked at life. Mm. It was so intrinsic to who we were that even though we, it, this is who we are now, right? okay? Yep. Not this and this. We are only this. What has to happen is we have to begin to rightly divide the word of life. Oh yeah. And separate the lie from the truth. We want to make it binary. You see what I'm saying, Jeff? Mm -hmm. Even in our minds, it's not binary. Right. The whole idea is to separate and to rightly divide the word of truth mm -hmm. about it. And when we do, all of a sudden, even though we're over here and we're thinking like that. We're really, oh, this is us. Yeah. This is actually who we are. Right. And we're kind of thinking like that. We can, and we find ourselves like impinging on this and it's affecting our lives. The death that's in the world, the, the thinking, all of that can impinge on us, though we really are over here. We can begin to leave this thinking and begin to be established in the truth. And that can actually happen. And it is actually happening. We all, everybody in this church knows that. Yeah. We're gravitating from that belief system to this belief system. Yeah, right. But in salvation, it's important to understand this. You can only believe in what God has actually already provided for you. And that is the perfect life that is in Christ. That is our life. We have been made perfect forever by Christ. And when we start saying, oh, man start stepping over here in our minds, even though we were there already, and we, we leave that belief system. That's what salva salvation is. He translates you from life, from death unto life. That's what salvation is. When you're saved, it happens in a moment of time. And that moment of time might be different for every human being. But when you're saved, you are translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. Mm -hmm. It's over. It's done when you're saved. Yeah. But our minds need to be renewed. Yep. I think we have an issue with uh, judging ourselves on appearance and what we go through with our true foundation. Mm -hmm. The foundation never changes. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's the issue. Absolutely. No doubt about it. <clears throat> we, <good>. Listen. <laughs> listen. We, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a, uh, It's not just the thinking that changes, but the influences in the world that are speaking to you a word that says you're not the son of God, the, the son or daughter of God. Mm -hmm. you, you are, this is not true of you because tribulation exists in the world. Tribula tribulation exists in your life. 
your thinking is not right. So the, the, the accuser is always there trying to say, <laughs> no, nah, you only believe this is true. This is really where you mm-hmm. are. Yeah. But, the re- but, but, but guess what? That perception is out. And the whole idea yeah. of coming, making it binary, <laughs> that this ain't you, that is you, is critical to our spiritual well-being and not, not just spiritual well-being. I'm not talking about just something that's beneficial to us. But in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And in that gospel, the power of God is manifested. So I want you to understand, it's not that we feel better when we overheat. No. When you're over here, the power and life of God begins to be manifested. It's more than just making you feel good, that I'm, I'm saved and now I understand that I'm saved and I'm perfect and all that kind of stuff. But when you know that you are one with your father, that your father, your father is the source of your life. That is who you are. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you begin to manifest him. Mm-hmm. The power of God is manifested in your life. It's more than just feeling good. That's, we're talking about the very thing that was a thorn in Paul's side. The Church of Galatia, Ephesus, what happened to you? Yeah. you? You knew the truth, and then someone came in. And I liken that to everything in the world. If you watch TV, it's the whole thing is carnal. Yeah. Behavior, mate. Oh, my like, God. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And if, if it, that's, you know, uh, don't forsake the fellowship. That's what's so beautiful about this. We can wrap our hearts around the truth. Absolutely. And and as that mind is renewed, I like to think it, of it as that's when we go from glory to glory to glory. Amen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, what, what's what's nice about the, a God who is your father, okay, that he understands, like like Jay was saying, that we struggle with these things in our mind, even though we're not here, we're there. That's where we are, that's it. But in our minds, we struggle with these things. When you have a, a God that loves you and he understands you, he yeah. is in the business. You remember what uh, Jesus said? He says, listen, when he, that is the spirit of truth, comes to you, he will guide you into all food. Listen, so here's here's a God who sees us struggling, you know, our prior existence in our new life. And he 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 guides us gently into his truth. And the folks, all the folks, that's why, let me tell you something. I understand the failings of religion. You realize we are a very small group here, right? I mean, it's pretty clear truth. Clear. We're delineating things and, and making them binary so we can clearly see the truth, okay? A lot of people are not getting this teaching. No. But you know what? But, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm just going to tell you how I feel about all the religions, the era, the fact that they live in here. I don't care about religions. I would never say, well, you know, you don't believe like me. I would never say that. You know, you, you ought to believe like us. I would never say that. And let me tell you why that is. You're beginning 
to put a distinction in. Let me tell you something. The only thing that matters is the truth. And if you have something that is true, you communicate that truth to them. Okay? You never say, well, we don't believe like that. We believe like this. It is that is drawing those distinctions between good and evil. Mm -hmm. I don't care about the Baptists. I, I love the Baptist people. Just like I love the Ukrainian people and I love the Russian people. Yeah. Listen, if Ukraine invaded Russia, I'd be given to the Russian people. Do you understand that? No. But then, what? You don't, you don't think God, I mean, uh, Paul made a distinction between the Judaizers and what he was teaching? Sure he did. Absolutely. Okay. Well, what's the difference in the churches that are teaching the law? The way he addressed the Judaizers was uh, probably the best way to say or communicate how he addressed the Judaizers was to look at the book of Galatians. Because the book of Galatians, listen, the Jews that were amongst the believers were saying, listen, we believe in Jesus. That's all you need to do is believe in Jesus and be circumcised. Paul said, listen, that's a different gospel. That's right. Instead, let them emasculate themselves. Yeah, absolutely. But no, listen, never speak evil of another group of people. He never said, you Jews are stupid. What's the matter with you people? Can't you see the truth? He said, who deceived you? Who has deceived you? And then he goes to explain truth to them. And that, that, and that truth, is what sets people free. It's the truth, not my arguing, yeah. theology, or anything else. If you know something that is truth, say it. Otherwise, you ought to keep your mouth shut, to be honest with you. Your best thing. If you if you just want to argue, you know, if, if you know the truth, if you really know the truth and you feel really good in it, but that's all you find in yourself is debate, and anger at other people or some other group, you're better keeping your mouth shut than saying anything. Yeah. Communicate the truth in love, and you are, you'll be doing good. Mm. Anybody got anything else? You covered it. You covered it. You think I did? <laughs> yeah, I think I covered a little bit. Anyway, but anyway, this is who we ain't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that's who we are. <laughs> Let's pray. We'll so close be who you are. Uh, go ahead. Matt, so, I was waiting for you this whole time. So we went all the way around this thing. Yeah. But I'm sure someone would have the question. You know, you said we have to die to that side, yes. the left side, the carnal mind side. And like Jim brought up, you can't crucify yourself. No. So the obvious question that comes to mind is, how do you do that? Well, I tell how you. How do I die to that? I, I, mm -hmm. Let me let me just say, and, and we're going to dialogue here on this. Uh -huh. I'm not telling you. I'm, I'm dialoguing. Remember Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live, but not I. It is Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay? Christ said, I mean, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I want you to understand. 
You can't crucify yourself. You can't uh, come to some kind of intellectual understanding and say, yeah, I got to die. Probably live over here. That's, it, it's not you doing anything. I'm just saying that there is, as you have existed in this system, and the truth of the gospel comes to you, and you begin to see that he wants to give you his life, that you don't have to. What happens is there is a crucifixion that takes place. Mm -hmm. You find yourself crucified to something and coming alive to something else. Now, in salvation, when you come to realize, man, I have, I have eternal life because Jesus died for me, could be some ridiculously simple message. Who knows what words have to be exchanged for a human being to come to that point where the Spirit of God enters into them and they are become a, a legitimate child of God, not just one in name only, but actually possessing the life of God themselves. Who knows when that moment comes for any particular human being, but I can tell you it comes through the gospel message. And when a person believes in God and to salvation, you find yourself not here but there. That's where you are. Now, now that person who comes to know that is still thinking like this guy a lot. Yeah. A whole heck of a lot. But but as the spirit of truth begins to reveal truth to you, you move. Thank you. Not you. You're there already. But your thinking begins to move to where you actually really are. That's why you can't disdain other people. Yeah. They are just where they are. And and the only thing you can do is, like Christ does with us, move up us from here to there by the truth. And you do that, and you're doing good. No, nobody was more religious than Paul, and I, I think Jay coined the phrase, uh, your knower knows. So when Paul met Jesus on the road, his heart knew, right. no doubt about it. Yeah, and everybody went when he went on. And, and, and I love way way says, uh, Paul, how long are you gonna kick it? Can you know, listen, he saw Stephen, you know, and and the, the life, the unbold man, Stephen's oratory. I, I, I can't even believe in the midst of being stoned out there on the street somewhere that the words that came out of his mouth even came out of his mouth. That is the power and the love of God toward those people. Even though he told them you stiff-necked even. <laughs> I, told, I, I said to Jill yesterday, I said, can you, we were eating dinner, I said, can you imagine the group of people around Peter when he said, look, I ain't even worthy to be, hang me upside down, crucify me upside down. What on earth were they, how in the world is this guy doing this? Yeah. This is beyond my, he's got something I don't have. Yeah, and even Stephen honestly could have said, how long are you going to kick against the Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same words. Yeah, absolutely. You and Samen. So, we come to a place where we understand that the, that the wranglings of the carnal mind in that paradigm of right and wrong, ultimately both sides of it land you in death. Okay. okay, and we see the there's a hope that's presented to us in Christ in the life of God that offers us a way to escape out of that. One reason that we were that we were so susceptible to that 
paradigm <laughs> is because in our hearts, we were actually created to be judges. I could give you tons of scripture to back that up. <laughs> but yet we religion has hammered on us, you know, the, don't judge, don't yeah. judge, don't judge. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's well and good. But what he's trying to get across to us is we don't judge within that system because ultimately that system produces death no matter which side of that tree that you land on. Mm-hmm. But our senses, now we've come to a place of life, and like Jay says, you find yourself wanting to drift back over into that because our senses are exercised in that direction because that's the way we were since the day we were born. Exactly. Okay? But Paul would come along, or excuse me, the writer of Hebrews would come along and say, <laughs> but strong meat belongs to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Mm-hmm. Now that discerning of good and evil, it is a judgment, but all of a sudden we started seeing things from a right perspective. We understand the two different paradigms, and now all of a sudden we're not judging right and wrong within the carnal mind. We're judging which tree is it coming from. Oh, right? Amen. yeah. Yes. And through reason of use, we come. our senses are exercised to go to that place rather than a place of, well, I'm right and you're wrong. Mm. You know, it's 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 curious too when you think about the fact that we're created to like be judges. Okay, uh, the judges in Israel were pictures of the one who would save us from this belief system <laughs> onto that belief system. So that's that's where that judgment comes. You know, Paul said, "Don't you know?" It was speaking of the fact that there were factions in amongst the believers and lawsuits and all kinds of different things going on or whatever. And he said, don't you know that we will judge the angels? Yes. That we will rule over the angels? Now, that's not speaking of this specific judgment that we're discussing here, but it's actually who we have been elevated unto, okay? And, but, the judges in Israel, each one of them is a picture of how the Lord would save his people Israel and us through dying to its own ability. Man, you look at like Gideon, who, uh, you know, was, wasn't he the one treading wheat in, in a wine press? And, you know, how God looked at him and said, called him a mighty warrior. It's like he probably said, who, me you're talking about? I, listen, God views us way different than we view ourselves. And that's what I'm saying. That the, all the judges were, were pictures of Christ who would redeem us from the belief system of the law of sin and death and bring us to into the law of the spirit of life. And it, it, it's, there's a tremendous amount of, like, within us, our group, it's not so great, but in, in the body of Christ in general, this discernment is not taking place and it needs to. And it and the re- uncanny thing for me about this is that this here, it's like so obvious and so true and so irrefutable that I don't know how somebody can look at this and say that guy's a liar or he's he's trying to lead people astray. By the way, if anybody at any time has ever said that. The grace of God that is in Jesus. If you believe that you have been made perfect forever, like the book of Hebrews says, 
in that you possess God's indestructible, incorruptible life, that if you believe like that, then you can just do whatever you want. They are thinking like this. Exactly. They are not thinking like that because his life is going to produce his life. Yes. <laughs> his life. Now, I, I know this is difficult. It's difficult. But if you have his life, his life is going to produce his life. Mm. Y'all, anybody got anything else? Um, what was that, that uh, address that you just referred to, that scripture? Oh, uh, blessed verse of Hebrews. That address, I like it. Oh, yeah. Hebrews 5. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not the scripture, what address? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anybody got anything else? Well, let's pray. Father, we uh, we thank you, Lord, for the indescribable gift of life that you have given to us. Lord, uh, your gospel is not difficult. Paul didn't write anything to us that we could not get read and understand. And that life is a life that produces life. And we are so thankful for the fact that you provided that to us and that it lives in us. Your word resides in our hearts through faith. And, uh, and we can rest in that and know that you are capable of doing more for us and in us than we can ever dream or imagine because we no longer find ourselves under this belief system, but under the mind of Christ. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.